there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of saintsnation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave! Dave, Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbro. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I am your host, Ralph Malbro. <laughs> Andrew is in crying. Dave and Kevin may or may not join us. Uh, Kevin is on emergency retainer in case St. Louis burns to the ground. Uh, Dave is at a party probably drinking and still arguing that it's NFC South team is going to get to 10 wins. Um, as always, we are brought to you by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, they have a 50-foot TV. They have 136 fans. You need them all because the Saints and LSU are killing us. Uh, the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge. They have an awesome menu. Go there. LSU basketball is about to start. Support them because they support us. All right, Andrew. You know, real quick, real quick, Ralph, I got a, I got a bone to, to pick with uh, these Pelican bloggers. Now, look, I'm a Pelican fan. I like I'm a Pelican. Pelican fan, too. I, got I, the, I, I, I like, I'm happy that they're 5-3, and three, that they're winning. They seem to be on the right track. Like, I'm happy about all that. But the ornery tweets when the Saints and LSU are losing and, and just going, Man, why does everybody want to talk about LSU and Saints when they're this bad? Why not talk about the Pelicans who are winning? Shut up. It's a football town. Like, if you're from New Orleans and you're a Pelicans fan and you haven't figured out by now that the Saints are the game in town, then I can't help you. Okay, buddy? But let's stop with the, you know, kicking the Saints while they're down and whining for more fans for the Pelicans. We all like the Pelicans. We hope they do well. We're never going to like them more than the Saints. Not, not going to happen. Doesn't matter if the Saints are 1 15. Doesn't matter if the Pelicans are winning the world title. It doesn't matter, all right? We so, like. Yes. We we're like. We're going to suffer through the Saints. We're going to watch the Pelicans passively until football season's over. And when that happens, we'll start paying attention. Yeah. And actually, the schedule, Pelicans fans should be happy because if they can survive, <laughs> we don't want to talk Pelicans too much, but they play nine of their next 11 on the road, which is actually good for the Pelicans because you want they want to be away from New Orleans during football season. So they have more home games after January. The people pay attention to Pelicans when the Saints are done. You don't have to bag. You can be fans of both. You don't have to bag on the Saints. And you don't have to bag on the Pelicans. We can root for everybody. Everybody can get along. The Pelicans are awesome. And Anthony Davis is going to be awesome. They have a nice team. We'll get to you when the Saints are done. Yeah, and, but I mean, the thing is, the key for the Pelicans, the last thing I'll say, is they have to hang around. Yeah. They can't be out of the playoffs. You know, they can't be so bad that by the end of football season, they're done. You already know they're not making the playoffs because that's what happened last year. Yeah. And they, they can't afford that. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine because I think if they if they stay if, if they say healthy, they're gonna truck bad teams because they score a ton. All right. <laughs> we were the Saints singing was so was so bad yesterday. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Pelicans. That, that's all you need to know. And let me say, off the top, I love this quote from Eric Hoffer. He's a philosopher, hippie from the 60s. He says, he said, disappointment is a sort of bankruptcy, the bankruptcy of a soul that expands too much in hope and expectation. Um, yesterday, the Saints got trucked, Andrew, and the thing that was most frightening to me was it was a different kind of ass-kicking because usually when the Saints get trucked, 
Well, they haven't lost, they haven't lost back-to-back games at home since 09. But usually when they get trucked, you can point to they committed four turnovers. Yesterday, they didn't commit a meaningful turnover while the game was still in doubt. Cincinnati beat their ass on the lines everywhere. I've never seen it. Cincinnati, if you include penalties, went 11 for 13 on third 11 for 13 on third down. How is that even possible, man? Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, as bad as the run defense was, I mean, you, you look at the 21-yard run by Pierman, you look at that 62-yard run by Hill. Early in the game, I thought the run defense was pretty good. They got in a lot of situations where it was third and six, yeah. third, and, third and five. Exactly they were in a position to get off the field, and they couldn't do it. No. And the thing is, I didn't – the thing that drove me nuts was – you know, everybody, everybody was like, oh, the Saints played flat. They weren't ready to play. I thought they were ready to play, and I thought they showed good intensity, and they still fought hard even though they were down 20-3. to three. But the thing is, to get excited, Andrew, in a game when you're home, you got to build momentum. you got to get off the goddamn field on third down. They get it to 2010. It's third and 18. Cincinnati's got third and 18 from their 12-yard line. You get a stop. You force them to punt from their end zone. Ball at their 40, you get the ball at the Cincinnati 40, you score a field goal, you get a touchdown, then you look up and you're like, oh, it's seven minutes to go, six minutes to go, maybe we can steal this game. Instead, he hits AJ Green for 38 yards, game set match. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't build momentum and excitement if you can't get off the field. That's exactly right. No, I think, and the main thing to take away from this is, is defensively. You know, the Saints are just getting worse, and uh, it doesn't bode well for, for the rest of the season here. Yeah, and Andrew, we have so many. They lost Raphael Bush. Uh, they lost they lost Raphael Bush probably for the year. They lost Brandon Cooks probably a month. Streets got a concussion. Um, I want to start with uh, Raphael Bush and Keaton Lewis. Um we said this in the in the, the before the podcast. Who could throw out any scenario with Jay Cutler and Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan or hell even Josh McCown? God help us. You could throw out any crazy number of yards and touchdowns, and I'd be like, it's possible. Andrew, I don't know what. How are they going to stop people in the secondary? They couldn't cover when they were completely healthy. Well, I think one thing, you know, I, I'm not going to go all silver lining here, but, I, I mean, A.J. Green is, is a phenomenal talent. I mean, I, obviously, they tried everything. They tried Corey White. They tried Keenan Lewis. They tried Brian Dixon. It all failed. I mean, not, none they, of those guys could cover why him. They, on the third and 18 play, why are they playing Why are they playing uptight and, and bump and single high safety? Why aren't they giving him a cushion? And, and playing soft on third and 18, I didn't get that. That that's explicable, and I think if you're going to come coaching, I mean that that's just set up to fail for, from the start. And so I, I think you know a lot of things this season have not been Rob Bryant's fault, and I think he gets a lot of the blame unfairly. But I think from a schematic point of view, if you want to point to one thing in that game, what Brian Dixon is doing on man-to-man coverage with AJ Green on third and 18 with no safety help. And, and and playing that close to the line of scrimmage is just insane. It's pure insanity, Ralph. I mean, you're daring. I mean, you're daring him to to get the first down. I mean, I would have. You're I would have been okay. Yeah, I would have been okay. Like if they'd have played soft and he'd have caught it and they'd have missed two tackles, then you'd have been like, ah, they they can't tackle. God damn it. That's we've seen that for ten weeks now. That's par for the course. But just. I don't, ugh, I don't like that cover. Yeah, and I'm least, not, I, you know me, I'm not a, I'm not a big break down the X's and O's guy. But even I saw that, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yep. Um, Kenny Vaccaro, Andrew, was sort of melting. He melted down a little, and he's like, we're undisciplined. We're not, we're not on the same page like we were last year. Uh. Do you agree with him, and did you see a lot of it in Cincinnati game? Absolutely. I mean, I think early, you know, the first thing I noticed was, wow, David Hawthorne is, is really rusty. 
And we saw that when he was trying to chase running backs in the flat on, on screen passes or, or, you know, swing passes. And we saw it when he was trying to fill gaps against the run, running sideline to sideline. Um, so I, I attribute, I thought he got a little better as the game wore on. But the first thing I noticed, which they kind of exploited, was David Hawthorne just coming back from injury and just being rusty in his first yeah. game back. So, you know, and then I feel like the Saints were having such a hard time with the run after a while. Um, that it was putting them in single-man coverage, and then it was just, hey, let's find Corey White on the field and just throw it, <laughs> throw it to whoever he's covering. Um, and so we, we know how that worked out. So, no, I, I think moving forward, um, I mean, it, it's still – look, I, I think – Who are they going to play at safety? It, it's, well, I think Marcus Ball and, and – I mean, he's supposed to be a strong safety, but I think Marcus Ball and – Kenny Vaccaro have to be the starters right now. I mean, those are the guys. I mean, Ball is the guy that knows the defense the best. Um, this new guy they just brought in, I mean, I don't even know his name, but Jamarcus Sanford or something. Um, he, he doesn't know the defense well enough, I think, to be in a position to start. He's more of a strong safety special teams guy too anyway. So I think they'll, they'll bring someone in, and he'll probably push for, for a starting position. Maybe they bring in a veteran, an older guy um, who – Who? Um, Who's yeah. out I don't know. I mean, well, who is that white safety they had? Like Jim Leonard? Yeah, I mean, is he out there? Oh, Lord. He might be, but that, that's I mean, about I, it. I, I could totally see a guy like that being brought in specifically to start. Um, seriously, Google him right now. Is he, is he on a team? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'll look it up. You know who, you know who I wish was uh, – he's, he, he's not available uh, because uh, he's on the Raiders – but okay. I wish Charles Woodson, if he was available, he'd be like the perfect guy. He's not any good anymore, but at this stage, you need a body. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, no. So, I, I mean, I think especially with Keenan Lewis uh, being compromised, um, I, I would say there's a decent shot. He's not going to play Monday night. I mean, obviously, he, he was hampered and clearly not ready to play. And, uh, you know, they, they may just say, you know what, you need a week off to, to get yourself right. So. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play, and that just leaves the secondary so <laughs> depleted and so bad. Um, yeah, I mean, the pass defense is going to be an adventure for the rest of the year. Uh, I mean, at this point, you can't really blame Rob Ryan anymore because they're so devoid of talent in, in the back four that it, the expectation is they're going to get smoked and burned. It's Dave! Hey, how you doing? Well, Dave's just been at a party, so he, he might be all good and sauced up. Yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dave, were you at, your were thoughts. You, Dave, were you at the Pelican house? No, I wasn't at the Pelican house. I was at a family friend's house. No, he's we on Cleveland. A watch, a watch party for The Price is Right. Oh, wow. He's, uh, Dave, he, I mean, Andrew, Jim Leonard is on the Browns. I thought you just said he was on the Raiders. No, that's Woodson. Oh. So, Dave, your thoughts on yesterday's atrocity? Oh, it was awesome. The Saints played awesome, guys. It was really good. They gave their best effort. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Breaking uh, news, Dave has been drinking. No, I haven't been. Well, I haven't been drinking, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, what can I say that you guys probably haven't already said? I haven't. Have you given up the fantasy that the NFC South is winning nine or ten games? Uh, well, now I am officially ready to give that up. <laughs> Uh, I mean, and, and really, to be honest with you, I just, I really didn't think it was going to be this bad. I mean, it is, it is bad. Um, <laughs> it's atrocious. And, and the Saints, I mean, really, this was a game that I really thought the Saints could win. I know the, you know, the Bengals are, 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 are a decent team and, and they're leading the AFC North, which is, um, you know, I, I say arguably, but I don't even know if you could argue that it's not the best team in the. I mean, not the best division in all of football right now. Um, as a it plays whole. the South. It plays the NFC South. That's why all the records are good. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, it's a zero-sum game. So, I mean, you're right. Uh, they have I mean, been able un- to they're sort undefeated of feed off the ex- NFC. against us, our division, except for a tie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Saints just, you know, I don't know whether it's coaching or what it is, but you know, I mean, they just don't have it. They just don't have that it factor. They don't have, they don't have that killer mentality. Um, they, they, you know, and and Drew Brees played okay. I mean, Drew, Drew Brees certainly at at this point, I think any game where Drew Brees doesn't 
doesn't turn the ball over, I think you got to eighty percent of his passes. Win. Yeah, I mean, he he played pretty well. I mean, he didn't put up five hundred yards. He's not he's not putting up five six touchdowns in the first half like Aaron Rodgers, but. I mean, he's playing well enough. I mean, really, on this one, I think the defense was just... I mean, the defense just could not... Just They just... They were just completely unable to stop anything. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a very frustrating game to sit there and watch. And, you know, and, and to just see the Bengals just continue to pick up first down after first down. I mean, they, they, they were just pretty much doing whatever they wanted to do on offense and moving down the field, you know, uh, quickly and easily. So... I mean, the Jeremy you know, Hill run before halftime was unforgivable. It is. It's, it's just, can't, that can't happen. But, I mean, but, but at the same time, that's that's been par for the course for the Saints. I mean, they just, when, when it comes to the last two. I don't know they've done anything that bad this season. They have. What are you talking about? Last week, Colin Kaepernick completed a 50-fucking-yard <laughs> pass on fourth fucking Recency down. bias, Jude. I stand, I stand corrected. That was what the worst. What the fuck are you talking about? Okay? <laughs> When it comes to the last two minutes in a half in the first half, or the last two minutes in the in the fourth quarter at the end of a game, the Saints have just been worse than they than they are during the game during during the other uh, you know the other 54, 56 minutes, uh, which are which are also bad. Golden Tate, the the Golden Tate play that was pretty bad. Um, but Cleveland, the, Cleveland converted was, a fourth and eight on their game-winning drive. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, Cincinnati. The thing that made I think they the thing that made Andrew make makes it feel worse is that at least those teams were at the end of the game and desperately trying to get the ball down the field. Cincinnati was ready to go to the fucking locker room. You know, yeah, it was yeah. just a, it was just okay. But the, see, the, the problem is that so was the Saints' defense. That's the problem. <laughs> um. They just have their heads up. I mean, really, in, in true, you know, I, I can't explain it any other way but saying that the, the, this team just has their collective head up their collective ass. I, I mean, really, that's all I can say. These guys just, they, they, they just, I, I, ugh, it's frustrating. It's, it's really frustrating. This is, I feel like we're back in 2007, 2008. Dave, your boyfriend was struggling yesterday. I was really surprised that the Saints. Well, I mean, he's got nobody to give the. I mean, he's got nobody to give him a break. Uh, but I mean, he, 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 he was, he, he, he definitely, I wouldn't say struggling, but you know, it's been four games. It's been three games now where he's been the featured back and he's had a hundred plus yards each game and he's been relied upon heavily. And I mean, well, he, not uh, each game actually, not Sunday. That, that's true. But you know, and I mean, and I mean, yes, that's usually where he's in his element, but you know, at the same time, this is uncharted territory for Ingram. No, I, I think we in, can in all NFL. agree we that I think we can all agree that Ingram is suffering from a, a total overload of work. Yeah, he's not used yeah. to. I mean, he's he's not used to getting all these touches and getting yeah. all these carries. I mean, who who is who is? He's getting thirty touches every week right now. I mean, it may be Marshawn Lynch, but Demarco Murray. Yeah, I mean, there's not many backs in the league that are getting thirty touches a week every single week, and he's already playing on a bum shoulder. Andrew, how big is Brandon Cooks injured, and what do the Saints do? You know, I'm going to throw something out there about Cooks that I don't think it's as huge as some people think. Um, while he's made some plays for the Saints, and, you know, he, he's not a guy that has transformed this offense. You know, he, he's not a guy that, you know, has, has gotten 100 yards receiving every week. He's, he's not the a guy Lux. That, Andrew, could you call him the Lux? Devery yeah, Henderson, he, yeah, he's like higher del- volume of God, well, higher volume of plays. Honest, honestly, I, I don't, I couldn't even compare him to Devery Henderson because he's, he's got gotten deep on defenses about twice this year. Yeah, I mean, I, he, you know, Devery Henderson was doing it with a lot more, um, you know, he, he was stretching the field a lot more. So, you know, to be honest, I just don't think there's a lot of trust between Cooks and Breeze yet. I just don't think they've developed the chemistry that's given Breeze the confidence to go to him again and again and again. I mean, he, he hasn't really had a game where he's had eight to ten catches yet this year. So, um, you know, I think losing a guy like like Jimmy Graham would be worse for this offense. I think – I'm not saying that this doesn't hurt them, but I still think with Kenny Stills and, you know, if Joe Morgan can come in and stretch the defense a little bit and give the Saints something and Meacham comes back, um, it's not that much of a drop-off. I mean, I think Cook is getting better, and, and eventually he'll get to a point where – I firmly believe he'll be much, much better than all these other receivers we're talking about. Uh, but 
Uh, it, it, does a heavier workload for Kenny Stills mean that the Saints are worse off? Not necessarily. Dave, um, I joked in my column last week that the Saints' attitude on special teams is fair catching a punt is the best we can do, and you just have to live with it. <laughs> now they're going to have Tavares Cadet back there returning punts, correct? Um, well, hopefully Joe Morgan. We think it's I, Yeah, good. hopefully. Are we? You think it's going to be Joe Morgan, Andrew? I mean, I don't think it can be Cadet. I just, I don't think it can. Dave, he's he's a kickoff guy, but I've never seen him return punts. I would, I would like it to be Joe Morgan. I don't know if necessarily it's going to. I don't know if that's what they're going to do though. This, this, uh, I'm getting. Is anybody else getting feedback from me talking? Yeah, I was earlier. Dave, are you in the car or something? Yeah, I'm in a car. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, probably. All right. Sorry, people. Uh, but it, Andrew, I'll start with you. Is is the NFC South, is it getting close to where it's just not going to happen for the Saints? And they're not, and we thought they're, we always no, thought their floor not. was no, seven no, and no. nine. It's not close at all. They're tied. It's four, they're four and six in first place is four and six. The only thing separating first and second place right now is head-to-head. That's it. So, I mean, and I'm sure some people are listening to this podcast and rolling, rolling their eyes and saying, it's done, give it up. But everyone else in the division is god-awful. So, based on that, I, I just think, I, I don't really see the Saints winning many games. And, yes, I mean, if, if you look at how they've done, you can't, you, can't have, you can't be that optimistic, I agree. But 6-10, and 7-9... Probably wins this division. I, I'm sorry, but I can't say that it's impossible that the Saints don't go seven and nine when three of their last six games are against NFC South. Opponents. Seven and nine's gonna, Dave. I think seven and nine. If the Saints win the NFC South games, and those are the only games they win, I think that's gonna be plenty enough to win this division. Yeah, it might be now. I think, <laughs> I think seven and nine. Seven and nine. If one of the wins is over the Falcons, will win the division. So far, by the way, I don't know if you guys realize this, but so far the Falcons are undefeated against the NFC South. All of their wins have come against NFC South. Teams. That is true. Thanks. They lost their top know. corner today, or one of them, and they're yeah. nice running back. So, uh, I, I would argue the Saints' injuries have been worse, though. I mean, the Saints has Dave has anybody this year for the Saints besides Mark Ingram, who's been a pleasant surprise. Because of injuries, has anybody else on the Saints this year really exceeded expectations? Uh, um, whew, that is a good question. Um, I would say Brandon Cooks hasn't exceeded them. I would say Brandon Cooks has been about what I would expect. Um, I can think of two guys. You can? Yeah. Oh, well, then you go, because I can't think of a goddamn I, I would say that on the – I mean, literally two guys of the entire roster have exceeded expectations. I would say Shane Graham, the kicker, has definitely exceeded uh, expectations. That's true. Good point. And I would say Curtis Lofton. I mean, he, he's been probably the most solid defensively, um, and he's probably had his best year as a Saint. And so, I, I mean, we kind of expect him to be pretty good. We kind of expect him to be so-so in coverage. And so maybe you could say he's given us about what we expect. But um, I, I think he's maybe even slightly better than what we thought we were going to get out of him. Yeah. Um, this, but, but that – how much of that, though, guys, Dave, is an indictment of this coaching staff? I mean, nobody in the secondary except Keenan Lewis. I don't feel like – Carl's better. I don't feel like Corey White's better or Dixon, like, or Patrick Robinson. Like, I see New England coaching up guys all the time. They were a mess against Kansas City two months ago. Their offensive line is fixed. Their secondary is playing great. I mean, this coach, this, these position coaches for the Saints, uh, they kind of, eh. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I, you know. It's just, it's just, it's just so hard. It's just so difficult because it's so hard to pinpoint exactly what the problem with this team is. And I mean, you know, Ralph, I feel like you've got a point because I feel like, on paper, 
the, this, this is a talented team, and these guys uh, are, are professionals, and, and we know the level that they're capable of playing at. And so if they're not playing up to that level, then you've got to think, hey, this, there, there's something else at play here. That, you know, let, let's look at the coaches. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I don't know. These are the guys. These guys need to go out there and make some plays, and they don't seem to be making the plays. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you can – I just don't think you can pinpoint it like that. Well, I, I mean, think when you have a situation I think, like I think this, I, look, I think it's a myriad problem. But, Dave, I mean, I, I, I will say this, and, and I think you raise a good point, Ralph. The Saints have lost a lot of good position, position coaches. I mean, you look at Cromer. He's the offensive coordinator in Chicago now. Lombardi's the offensive coordinator in Detroit. Uh, the head coach of the Bills used to be with the Saints, um, you know, so. Yeah, but those are offense, though. They yeah, Dennis Allen. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, You know, who became a head coach for the Raiders, so, I mean. He'll lost. be back. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> He'll be back. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I think they've lost some coaches who, uh, you know, have helped develop that team, and you have to wonder, did they did they replace those guys with equal level coaches? I don't know. Um. Yesterday on Twitter, we were all venting, and me and Andrew, we, it was, we, we, me and Andrew had a little discussion, and uh, my thing was, the secondary is a nuclear waste dump. Uh, it's time to go full Greg Williams and just blitz. And Andrew, you had a good retort, and you kind of convinced me. Uh, explain to the peoples why going full Greg Williams is a bad idea, as tempting as it might be. Well, I, I just think it leaves you... Uh, with man-to-man coverage with Corey White, Patrick Robinson, you know, I'm assuming Keenan Lewis is not going to be himself for at least a couple weeks here. So you're talking about Brian Dixon, Patrick Robinson, and Corey White in man-to-man coverage against guys. And literally, if you're blitzing, if I'm a quarterback, I'm just thinking, well, I've got one-on-one coverage with Corey White. I'm just going to throw it over there and see what happens. You know, and even even if the guy's not open. So. Yeah, so, yeah, well, that's the other problem is the Saints don't really have a blitzer. Their best sack guy besides, I mean, you know, I, I don't consider Junior Golette or Cameron Jordan ru- blitzers because they're pass rushing anyway. Big Ben so. just threw a horrible, the, horrible pick. Sorry. I mean, the, the, be- the best pass rusher they have is probably Paris Harrelson, which is a joke, you know. So <laughs> they, they, Future Marcus Colston for him. Yeah, so, so we really don't have anybody that can get to the quarterback blitzing. So, you know, I, I think – the safer route is to drop seven in coverage and rush four, and maybe you get to the quarterback, maybe you don't. Uh, but you put those guys in a zone, and it, it relieves them of the pressure of having to do man-to-man coverage, and you just hope that the, whoever the quarterback is, uh, that he's not accurate with his passing. You know, that's the game plan that they usually use against Cam Newton that works so well because he can't hit the broad side of a barn in zone coverage. But is that a good, is that a good, is that a good strategy versus Roethlisberger and Flacco? And Cutler, it might be a good strategy, but and Matt Ryan? I don't – it's kind of dicey. No, I think Matt Ryan would pick that apart. But um, the others, I mean, it depends uh, – part of it, too, depends just how much pressure you're getting with four. I mean, obviously, Cam Jordan and Junior Gallette, you know, sometimes they're successful just rushing four, sometimes they're not. So uh, that plays into it, too. Dave, uh, yesterday I was in the Dome, flew in to see it. Uh, It had a very, very kind of dead – I mean, I know it had a dead vibe because Cincinnati jumped out way in front. But early on, I felt that crowd was really kind of dead, and the Saints didn't come out and commit – three turnovers off the bat that crowd yesterday was kind of lifeless and dead from the jump well i mean you know you got a noon game an afc opponent you know this is a, the saints haven't played the bengals since 2010 so you're talking about four years uh it's hard to get excited about that kind of matchup and uh and you're talking about a, a, a team that's uh got a losing record going into this game now that we've got an even more losing record now, i hate to say it but Saints fans are a fickle bunch, like any other fan base, I'm sure. But, um, you know, I, 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 I find it to be... Dude, Zach, I, I know I how, I, Zach just me, hit an 80-yard bomb for Tennessee. The dude was waving on, waving to the fans starting at the 40-yard line. Keep going. I'm sorry. I'll, Wait, I'll, is that Madden Murder for that? I'll put it this yeah. way. I, yeah. mean, I, I know how loud the Superdome can be. I know how loud the fans can get in the Superdome. And to be quite honest with you, 
very rarely do I ever think that the fans are at 100% when it comes to being into it and, and getting loud. Um, you know, it's just it's just not a situation where it's just always loud all the time, uh, which I mean, I don't think you could really expect. But, you know, this this season and, and the last couple of years, I've always thought it could always be a little bit louder on the on the whole and, and on a more regular basis. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say it was par for the course for an, uh, a noon game against an AFC opponent when you're four and five and, and the, this, this season is uh been been disappointing andrew speaking of fans the uh here we go tony williams tony Tony williams Williams, the the saints fan who who king of zulu who he he king he's the king of zulu he was Uh, the former king of zulu he's a former king of zulu he intercepted the ball when the cincinnati guy threw it up after the touchdown and he intercepted it and kept it instead of the Bengal fan that he wanted to throw it to I don't personally give a shit because whatever, but I feel like that's really bad karma for a saint season that's going in the toilet, and I didn't if, like the karma if, of it. If that if that makes for bad karma, then I mean I'd love to know Ralph what you and other people think about what fi- uh, there's seventy thousand fans in the Superdome. I guarantee you that fifty thousand of the seventy thousand fans in the dome did something during the game. During that three-hour game, that was much worse than Tony. Williams. Oh shit! Are you kidding me? Much worse. My fucking exit saying, is blocked off. On the tens. I thought he was disagreeing the with me. Avenue fucking exit is fucking blocked off. God damn it! <laughs> well, that's chronic podcast traffic on the tens, the five, and the eights. Well, so anyway, I, I just think this whole discussion is stupid. The guy got caught on camera and everyone's up in arms. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy's a jerk, but who cares? Who cares? Seriously, if you're going to judge that, I would love – I, I guarantee you that everyone listening to this podcast did something yesterday that was worse than what that guy did. And I did not. I, I absolutely I, did not. You're full of shit. <laughs> so any, in fact, I just told you you were full of shit arguably more insulting than what that guy did. Goodness <laughs> <laughs> oh, gracious. I don't know. That, his goddamn grandkid better fucking put that goddamn ball in a fucking glass case. Yeah. Well, look, look, like I said again, it's not like the better guy's not a that. jerk. It's not like I'm not saying the guy's not a jerk. He should have given her the ball. But the fact that we're discussing it on this podcast, the fact that it went viral is ridiculous. All right, well, I have a few. I have a few things to say about it. I mean, other than the guy, than the guy's a jerk, which I think we can all agree on. But first of all, it wound up working out way better for that woman. You know, she got a whole bunch of publicity. She got to do a little, make a little, little media tour, local media tour. Yeah, the bang, tour. the Bengals players were tweeting her. Right, and then she got, you know, then she's now she's getting an an autographed uh, Gresham jersey, and she she'll got have a book ball. by the end of the week. She'll have a book yeah, deal so by. I, I, I mean, that dude really, did her a favor. Exactly, exactly. So to be honest with you, that guy wound up doing her a favor. Now, what I gotta say is, I mean, more than that guy, and Ralph was at the game, and I don't know, I don't know where Ralph sits exactly, but uh, you know, that was about that was well, it was section 130, so it was literally 10 sections away. But um, that guy, more than more than that guy having the audacity and the gall to uh, to snatch the ball from her, which you know, I could sit, I could see in the heat of the moment. You know, doing that, but but to sit there straight faced while that woman begs and pleads with you, and in addition to that, an entire your entire section, you're a season ticket holder in section 130, and I don't know about this guy, but I mean, I know I am friendly with and know the faces of many of the people that sit around me uh, in my section. And for, for your entire section to be chanting, give it back, give it back for a few minutes. I mean, and, and to not give in to any of that, that pressure, to not give in to that peer pressure. This dude, this dude has to be a master negotiator. Uh, I mean, he, he is, he's stone cold, dude. This dude is stone <laughs> cold. He just sat there and looked straight ahead while hundreds and hundreds of people chanted to give it back simultaneously while the woman was literally on one knee 
with her hands together, clasped together, begging, and he still did not give it up. Dude is, he is That's one stone-cold motherfucker. Yeah. That's a, I mean, he deserves credit for he that. He does, I guess, in a weird way. <laughs> All right, we got, we got a ton... A ton of... I'll throw another thing out there. The yeah. biggest mistake that guy made was not, after denying the woman, not throwing it back on the field. Yeah, it was a Cincinnati touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. That would um, have been the ultimate move. That, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's the other thing is, like, why does he want to keep that ball? Why do, why do you want to keep a touchdown ball from the Bengals? Who wants that ball? Like, there's no good story to that. And, and that's the other thing is, like, once the whole thing, once the whole situation unfolds and the, and the whole audience is cheering, give it back, give it back, like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna tell your grandkid when he's older? Yeah, son, this was a touch, this is a football. Oh no, Drew Brees didn't throw a touchdown pass with this football. No, Andy Dalton did. The ginger. He, yeah, he threw it to Jermaine Gresham, and then, uh, and 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 I, I kept it away from a, a poor. Bengals fan who really wanted it, and what meanwhile, while the entire section that I have season tickets in was was yelling at me and telling me to give it back. Yeah, that's a wonderful story that you know you want your you want to tell your grandkids. Who it cares? Just, it makes no it makes no sense. It makes Who no cares? Sense. All right, we got we have a shit ton of Twitter questions, so I'm just gonna start. This fucking with that. exit block really really is fucking. It, it's with it's here, the man. best. I'm all the way on fucking Claiborne now. I just, I was right by the Superdome. I live nowhere near the Superdome. Do, 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 do. Traffic on the eights. Uh, fanboy elitist wants to know: Is Sean Payton on the take from New Orleans area liquor stores? Uh, I mean, I think the pharmacies are, are handing out free Vicodin. Well, you better watch it. The the the, uh, the the DEA or whatever is cracking down. They're going to they're interviewing team doctors again. Well, that's why I was saying he's got to go to the pharmacies. He's got to outsource that shit. All right, another question from Fanboy Elitist. This is a good. This is a good one. This might be the question. This might be the question of the night. How did Andy Dalton's ginger powers surpass Jimmy Graham's? Or Shane Graham's. Or Shane Graham's. We had two gingers and they had one and they kicked the Saints' ass. Dave, your thoughts? I don't know. Jimmy Graham was kind of quiet. Well, I guess two, one Dalton is better than two Grands. And there you go. Uh, this is from Mitch R. Dave, Sorry, which, star- which starting position on offense do the Saints need to upgrade? If none, why are they playing so bad? Okay, well, who in the right mind would say that they don't need to upgrade? Uh, that's just crazy talk. Um, which do they need to upgrade most? Oh, man. I don't know. I guess somewhere on the offensive line. I mean, shit, if Zach Streif is going to be out for any amount of time, uh, they're going to need a, a good backup right tackle, I can tell you that much. I, I think they could probably stand to use a little depth on the offensive line. I, I'm fucking – I'm behind the goddamn Smoothie King Center now. This is so obnoxious. <laughs> I love this. This is making my I, I can't. I can't concentrate right now. I cannot concentrate. I'm trying to figure out how the fuck to get home. Dave, do you, need to, ba- do you need to bail and call back later? No, because the fucking Carrollton Avenue exit is unfucking. This is unbelievable. This is obnoxious. Traffic on the tens. Uh, I, I would say if I had to pick a position, it would definitely be a receiver. They just they, they don't have a number one. I mean, unless you want to call Graham a receiver, I think Graham is great when you've got someone else. That, you know, but I, yeah. I just think a dominant number one receiver would. I think they need they 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 this offensive line to me, Andrew. With its age in the middle, uh, at guard and at right tackle, it could collapse at any minute. I mean, I think they're on borrowed time with it. It's been pretty healthy this year. I think they need some. They need youth injected into that offensive line badly. I think they can get by at receiver because Sean Payton can scheme it up, and Jimmy Graham allows them so much matchup issues. They can scheme it up at receiver. I think they they need youth in the offensive line. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, this they, could, they could use Pierre Thomas back too. I'll yeah, they that. need some running back too. I mean, if 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 Pierre Thomas is getting up in age and Ingram leaves, they need they need they need a running back. Uh, Greg Matei asks also, do you think Rob Ryan needs to go after this year? He was below every below average everywhere else. He was a defensive coordinator. 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I think he. If did he goes, what defensive coordinator are we on for Sean Payton? Yeah, four, number four. I mean, I I think he's done a good job uh, in year one. I mean, a fantastic job. Let's not forget he took over the worst defense in NFL history and made him top five. Uh, so that's pretty remarkable. I mean, definitely this year has been a disappointment, but um, I thought I think we saw signs with this defense that they got a little better um, as, as the season wore on. Now, obviously, the Bengals game was a major, major regression, but. I mean, I think if you look back to the the Carolina Panthers game and the in the Packers game, uh, they had they've had some decent games where you know you've seen some progress. Um, so you know it's not like it's been a dumpster fire all year. Um, now and now the injuries are starting to mount, and you know obviously if they don't have Keenan Lewis, uh, that that changes things pretty dramatically. And now they don't have a free safety, so uh, we'll see where they go from here. But um, no, I I think Rob Ryan. I mean, he signed a three-year deal to begin with, and. I I think he's, he's not got it. He's got to at least see out his contract. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is they've been, they've they've been hit hard at their two maybe deepest positions at safety and at running back. Yeah, well, running back doesn't have anything to do with Rob Ryan, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Rob Ryan gets another year for sure. Um, but. Uh, you know the the success that Rob Ryan had last year. I I I kind of have a theory that um, you know it didn't work with Spagnolo, I guess. But you know I think oftentimes those first the first years under new coaches or new coordinators, a lot of times I think you know a lot of times they go well just because everything's new. Uh, you know, and a team is is in dire need of a change and they're and they're waiting for a change. And and once the change happens, then they embrace it. And then everything kind of gets comfortable and they everybody kind of falls back into it. You know, I mean, you saw that in 2009. That was Greg Williams' first year. Yeah. And I think everybody was happy to not have Gary Gibbs around and to have a guy like, you know, just have a fresh take and a fresh protect pr- perspective. And, uh, you know, Greg Williams was a player's coach and kind of let the players on defense kind of kind of be free and do whatever they want to want to do. And obviously 2009, they had a lot of success. And then the same thing happened last Last year, I think with Rob Ryan, I think they were ready for a new, new defensive coordinator, and they were obviously really upset with Spagnolo, and that just wasn't working out. So, you know, I think the first year, a lot of times, tend, it, you know, things tend to turn around quickly and change quickly, and then they kind of fall back into place. I mean, that's not a hard and fast rule, but, um, so I hate to say it, but I mean, if Rob Ryan, if, you know, if, if the Saints continue to underperform like this next year, um, they may, yeah. Yeah, they may they may get rid of them. All right, we got it. this one is from Ram Kumar. I like this question. Uh, I think the 2012 team would have won the NFC South. Do Ugh. you guys think the 2012 Saints could win the 2014 NFC South? Man, <laughs> well, I would say it's possible because man, that offense was so good. Um, they couldn't run the ball, though. They couldn't they run the ball. Wait, we're talking about – no, no, wait. 2012 was the year Peyton was suspended. Yeah. Are we talking about 2011? No, we're talking about 2012. Oh. Well, the 2012 saying, could, could he have won with that offense and Spagnuolo's defense? I, I'm going to say no because that, that would just make the Saints um, – that would just make the Saints the same as everyone else in the NFC South pretty much, except worse on defense. I think the one saving grace right now is that the Saints defensively, believe it or not, are actually slightly better than the other three defenses. Yeah, but that was before they, Keenan Lewis and, and Bush got banged up. I don't know I don't know as they are today, Andrew, that they're a lot better than the other teams. That's a good point. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, offensively, I, I think the offensive line is better right now than it was then, and I think the uh, the running game is certainly working better. So, I mean, it's probably six and one. I half think that I think the 2012 Saints team. I think they would win this NFC South though, because With I the think the worst defense in NFL history. I, because they'd, they'd get to Andrew, they'd get to seven wins, and seven wins yeah, is going to win but, this division. But Ralph, Ralph, uh, here's the thing: they might they they would have lost the Atlanta game because the Saints offense in that game did did what the 2012 offense did they definitely would have lost the Packers game now they might have eked out the Cleveland game because they would have scored more points yeah that's and, true. you know so but yeah. I, I just don't see them having a much better record because there's no way they would have beaten the Packers with that team 
No. They, 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 we saw that game. They played it in Green Bay, and they lost on yeah. a missed field goal at the end. Um, it's a good. It'd be clear. Cl- and you know, I'm listening to all these national pundits talk about how good Green Bay is, and they're really coming on, and they might win the NFC. And I'm thinking to myself, how did we beat them? How how the hell did we? And we 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 beat them handily too. Red zone defense and a couple of turnovers. I, I just yeah. it's it's uh it's just crazy, and and that just I think it just goes to show you how how Jekyll and Hyde this goddamn Saints team is. I mean. And and I think that goes to show you why we as Saints fans are also so frustrated because, you know, here's a team that we know can play with some of the best teams in the league and can beat them. And yet here they are middling at, uh, at you know, at four and six. So, well, know. here's the thing about that Cincinnati game for me. And, you know, I, you talk about recency bias. I, I think a lot of Saints fans are hot and, and pissed and, and, and just, just so disappointed after that game that, uh, the natural reaction is to flame on them and say that they're terrible and that they're awful. And I, I think, from my perspective, I just look at a team at four and five whose four of their five losses have come inside of two minutes at the end of the game after they were up, after they were winning yeah. inside two minutes. Uh, they've blown four of those five losses. And uh, I, I just think the team was maybe a little broken after San Francisco, honestly. Now, we'll see how Sean Payton coaches them and how he gets them to rebound. But I think, um, you know, that, that would be mentally taxing on anyone. I, I think yeah, after and- a while, you have that many close games. You, you work that hard. You, you get in that position to win, and, and you lose that many times. That starts to weigh on you emotionally. Yeah, and any team that's not a super elite team that's going to win 12, 13, 14 games – you're going to have two clunkers. I mean, even the 2011 Saints, even the 2009 Saints had they, – they lost to they lost to goddamn Tampa at home, and they lost to Dallas, who was a good team. I mean, you're just going to – especially a team like the Saints that's e- – even if they'd have been healthy, I think they're, they're probably – let's be honest, they're probably an 8, 9, maybe a max 10-win team if they get breaks. You're going to have two or three games where you're just going to – it's just going to be shit. Yeah. You're just gonna, you're just gonna, for whatever reason, you're gonna play bad, and they've had two of them. They played crappy in Dallas, and they played crappy against Cincinnati, yeah. and that's what, that's what, bad teams do it all the time. But even mediocre to slightly above average teams do it three, two or three times a year, and that's just they hadn't done it since week three. So I, I think from a mentality standpoint, um, as fans, you know, you just you have to embrace what what this team is right now, and it's their they're flawed and they're injured and they're just not that good. And the saving grace is that the NFC South is so bad that in four and six, they're tied for first place. Yep. They still have a really good shot at going to the playoffs and they're not going to blow anybody out, you know, but the good news is the division is so bad that if they, if they grind and they compete and they just fight like hell in these games, maybe they win three of them and they go to the playoffs. It they could happen. Need, they, they, they need on defense, Andrew and Dave, they need to just some kind of way just be 15% better on third down, and they just need to fall ass backward into some turnovers. Well, I still think they're good enough to stop the run. I really still yeah. think with Akeem Hicks and Broderick Bunkley and Hawthorne and Lofton – Cam Jordan, I mean, they've got guys up front that can stop the run. We've seen them do it at times this season. And so I think it's got to start with that. We know the secondary's banged up. We know they're going to be bad. We know they're going to give up plays. But if you can at least force the offense to convert those third and sixes, those third and fives, then you give yourself at least a fighting chance. And so I, I think it's got it's to start with that. It's got to start with stopping the run. All right, two more questions, and then we get to Baltimore. Uh, this is from Mike Mills. He's in the podcast league, who I'm in last place by a mile in the Chronic Podcast League. Uh, if and Dave, this is this. I'll start with you, but I want you to answer too, Andrew. But Dave, this is especially for you. If you had to give the percentage chance of the South winner finishing six and six and ten, what percent percentage would you give it as a serious possibility? Mm. I mean, I think at this what I said earlier, but I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. So, I mean, I think at this point now, uh, seven and nine could definitely win the division. Six and 10 is still a bit of a stretch. That would be a record though, wouldn't it? That would yeah. be the first time somebody wins a division. It's never happened. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a realist. Well, hold on. You got to think about the math, the mathematics here, because you got to remember that uh, that the NFC South teams still have to play each other. Uh, the Saints are. I don't even think that's possible because because the Saints are currently four and six, and the Falcons are four and six, and eh, I'd give it like a. A twelve percent chance, twelve and a half percent. Well, Andrew, I'm going to read off. I'm going to read off Atlanta's schedule. They mm-hmm. host Cleveland. They host Arizona. They go to Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, they they could they go easily to, they host they could win two of those three, maybe split. What? Oh. The first, those two go home games against Arizona and Cleveland. They could easily win one of those two. Okay, so that gives them five. Green Bay. I mean, at Green Bay, I think they definitely lose that. At they host Pittsburgh, but that'll be a 60% Pittsburgh crowd in Atlanta. <laughs> no, I think they'll lose that. Um, then they go to the Saints and they host Carolina. I think Carolina's a win. So what's okay. that, what does that, that give them? Six. That gives them six. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think I, I think that Saints Falcons game will probably decide it. You know, in the Superdome. I'm gonna give it a 40% chance, but. I think that this is one. Wait, you're I, saying there's a 40% chance that six and ten will win the division? Yeah, because no I think way. I no think. But here's the thing, Andrew. If Atlanta loses to Cleveland Sunday, there's a better than 50-50 shot they're going to come to the dome with four wins. Because if they lose to Cleveland, they got Arizona, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh. It's if they can't beat Cleveland at home, why can they beat Arizona? I'm 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 saying it's a 40% shot because if, if they come to the dome four and nine or four and ten, I mean, it's not likely, but I still think it's in play. I I feel like the Falcons got a shot in the arm this weekend, and I I expect them to beat Cleveland at home this weekend. Cleveland Hoyer is bad. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I, I think the Falcons are gonna find a way to win that game at home. I bet they go Cleveland is Cleveland is very schizo. They uh, are. The good news is if the Falcons keep winning, then Smitty might uh, have a job next year. I think Smitty's I think Smitty's going to stay because they're going to they're going to come they're going to get really close and it's going to come down to the Saints, Atlanta that second to last game and Atlanta's going to say ah he was injured he had a lot of injuries and we like him I think they're going to keep him. The one thing that I do think really tilts in the Saints' favor is. The likelihood is that NBC is going to flex that Atlanta Saints game from 12 to Sunday night. And I think the night game for the the NFC South, it tilts it a little bit in the Saints' favor. And the Saints are so injured and beat up, they need all the help they can get. (sighs) All right, last question. This season has been just so fucking wackadoo, man. (laughs) It is. Thank you. Thank God they're at least in the NFC South and they're playing for something. Because if they were in any other division, we'd be arguing, is it time to pack it in and root for a draft pick? Well, look, and and I just still think as miserable as the season's been and as high as the expectations have been, like we still have to enjoy the fact that there's a fighting chance no, of making is, the playoffs. This like is not. This is this is bad, but it's this is this is much much easier. Yeah, I mean, I see like, some some idiots up. on Twitter talking about the brown paper bags. Some people no, have. No, at least they're playing for something. We're tied for first place in the division. Just yeah. enjoy the fact that we still have a fighting chance at four and six of making the playoffs. You know, and look, if Tim if Tim Tebow can win a goddamn home playoff game. The Saints can win. A, I don't give a shit if they're six and ten. They can win a home playoff game. I guarantee you that. Uh, but here's the last question, and then we'll get to Baltimore. This is from Alfredo, and I'll start with you, Dave. What song best describes the Saints season? Oh man, I need a little more preparation for this. Crazy question. Train, the the Gambler, sex type thing, or pick another. Oh, uh, this is a multiple choice question. Maybe, well, you. you I've got my answer because my we we. Uh, well, then you go. Then you go. My wife said everybody hurts by REM. <laughs> That's pretty good. What about you, Andrew? Uh, well, I feel like I have to go STP, so I'll go with Creep with the lyrics. I'm half the man I used to be, which pretty much applies to every player on the Saints. <laughs> it is not. That is so true. All right. Uh, the Saints host Baltimore on Monday night. The last 
thing that the Saints have to cling to is they rock in prime time in the dome, won 14 straight by an average of 20 points. Uh, is that is that a fact? That is a fact. I saw it on Twitter. It is a fact. Wow. Uh, the last home loss in prime time is Dallas 09. Wow. Uh, no, no, I take that back. Minnesota in 08 is the last one. Okay, and you know the one team that Sean Payton and Drew Brees have yet to beat is... is... Baltimore? And yeah, that's right. We have Saints killer Hall of Famer Steve Smith this weekend. Oh, God. He is, oh, he is a first ballot kick the Saints ass Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, I better start him on my fantasy team this week. He, he's been he's been not doing so well the last five, six weeks since his hot start, but you're right now that he's playing New Orleans... I might want to put him back on the, in the starting position he, again this week. He, he's watching tape of Corey White foaming out the mouth. <laughs> Just salivating. So, Dave, give me a uh, – well, first of all, do you think it's a must win? I feel like this team, they need to win a fucking football game, but do you feel like it's a must win? All right. Well, Marshall Falk asked me, you know – well, not me personally, but all the SB Nation NFL writers. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was basically his question for all of us NFL SB Nation bloggers last week was, you know, which 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 game did the Saints really have to win this this season? And uh, and my answer was all of them, really. You know, I, I mean, if, if they if they want to guarantee that they win the division, they need to just start winning all these games and. And if they do, you know, it'll it'll be a lock. But um, yeah, good luck. With and that. and then they wound up losing to Cincinnati yesterday. So um, it's really, they're all they're all must wins here on out. I mean, there are there are what six games left. Yeah. Uh, and you're at four and six, so you need to win two just to get even. And I I, I just think they're all must wins. To be honest with you, though, if we're really digging deep into this, though, this is probably this game against the Ravens is probably the one and only game remaining on their schedule that they can <laughs> can lose uh, and still potentially make the playoffs and and go to uh, well, and, and win a division. Well, well, actually, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. They they could also lose to Pittsburgh too, but. Um, and if that, and, if, and in that case, they really need to win this Raven game at home in prime time because uh, that's where they, uh, you know, they always play better at home, obviously, and you know, and, and on prime time as opposed to in Pittsburgh in the cold. Um, but uh, so they could they could lose this game, but but I mean, losing three straight at home just from a, from yeah, that's what I say from like a mental standpoint. You just yeah, I mean, this, I, I think I think I think their season may be. Uh, Maybe over mentally if if they lose this game. I mean, they're just this is a, this is a team that I don't think is really used to losing three straight games at home. They haven't done that in God knows how long. Have they ever lost three straight at home under Sean Payton? Maybe in 07 or 08, maybe. Well, they, they uh, I don't think so. Lost the first. Well, okay. Well, let's seven. They lost the first four games straight. How many of those were at home? Tennessee, Carolina. Okay. At and, least. Then I, and then I think they beat the Chargers, right? Or... No, you're thinking of 12. You're oh, thinking... right. But I'm talking that. But 12 doesn't count because that's not under Sean Payton. Right. Right. So, Gay Dave, give me well, a. No, pre- no, they started 0 and 4, and then they won four straight to get back to 4 and 4 that year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But they did beat the Chargers. Uh, my prediction: uh, they're going to get crushed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with 35-10, Baltimore. Uh, they will continue to be the one team that eludes Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And um, player of the game, I'm gonna go with Steve Smith. He's the player of the game. Uh, Andrew. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's gonna be hard for the Saints to win this game with the injuries and and just the current form they have. But you know, every game is different. You know, I, I don't think you can watch any one individual game. I mean, look what the Rams did to the Broncos. Look what Tennessee's uh, doing to Pittsburgh tonight. Yeah, I mean, I I just think every game tells a different story. 
And I think a lot of it just depends on how the game starts. I mean, you look at Cincinnati, yeah. they, they go down, they, they stop the Saints on downs, they get the ball back, and then they drive 95 yards and get a field goal and completely take the win out of the sails of the Saints offense. Um, so, you know, the Saints score a touchdown there. If Marcus Colston makes that one-handed catch, uh, who knows how that game plays And he out. missed Cooks and he missed Josh Hill too early. Yeah, so, you know, Breeze connects on those, on those passes. I mean, it, it changes the whole complexion of the game. And I don't think you can assume that that game plays out the same way. So, you know, the fans get into it. Maybe the defense starts to play better. So, you know, it's Monday night. I, I just think the Saints will be do or die. Uh, I really think this after this, this – you know, I know that the Saints just came out completely flat and mentally it was poor, but I think you will see on Monday night this team feel like – and I, I, I do think this Atlanta game has a big bearing on, on yeah. how this goes because I, they'll play on Sunday, so the Saints will know going into that game if they're 5-6 and six or 4-7. and seven. I think if, if the Falcons lose, uh, the Saints will be like, holy shit, we have a chance to get uh, the lead again in this division. And if and the Falcons I, win, they're like, we got – fuck, we got to win. We have to win. So I think either way they come out supercharged. Um, I, I just think w- what I've learned from the Saints this year and they beat the Packers in prime time is that we – you can't expect anything with this team. You never yeah. know what you're going to get. I think they come out and they surprise us. I think there will be a bunch of bad surprises ahead for the rest of the season. So I'm not saying it's all you know rainbows and unicorns from here on out. But I think they come out in this game – uh, they they intercept Joe Flacco a couple times, get some turnovers, give Breeze some short fields to work with, and I'm going to call for a 31-27 Saints win. Um, and I will say that my player of the game is Jimmy Graham. I There's no reason to pick the Saints in this game. They're beat up to hell. Uh they could be – I mean, think about it. They could be with – they're going to not have Brandon Cooks. They probably won't have Keenan Lewis. They might not have Zach Streif. They aren't going to have Raphael Bush. I mean, they are beat up to hell, and there's no reason to pick them, except here's the reason I'm going to pick the Saints. Drew fucking Breeze. <laughs> On prime time, the Saints are going to go 100 miles. He's either throwing four picks or he's going 30 of 35 for 350 and four touchdowns, and I think that's what he's going to do. But it's still going to be close because their secondary is a dumpster fire. It's going to be 38-35. Your MVP is going to be Joe Morgan. And something (laughs) that has not happened all year is going to happen in the game and save the Saints. And that is going to be Baltimore is going to miss a game-tying field goal at the gun, and the Saints are going to win. Wow. Wow. Okay, good luck with those predictions, guys. So, on that note, go to... So, wait, Saints real Nation. quick, real quick. Who wins the Falcons-Browns? Uh, Falcons are going to win, I think. I think I, so, too. I think. I, I, I wrote in my column today, I was doing my picks. I, I picked Cleveland, but I might I might switch back. I don't know. It's hard. I'm, but the thing is, with Cleveland, Josh Gordon is coming back, Andrew. So, that secondary for Atlanta is so bad. I just, yeah, you know. I, I still, I think the Falcons win. So, Dave? Uh, I think the Falcons win. Okay. Before we leave, I want to hear Ralph say, "Today, I consider myself I consider the myself the luckiest, alive. luckiest man on the face of the earth." Sorry for the feedback. Uh, I blame Dave for being in his car. Uh, if you don't listen to the whole podcast, we apologize, but at least download, listen to 30 seconds, so we can get the uh, credit to listen. Uh, for go to Saints Nation. Andrew's got his grades. Go to Canal Street Chronicles. They have uh, reviews and comments, and it's it's it, it was fun peeking in during the Saints game. I was actually at the game. I was actually looking at it. It's fun to go there. Game day comments. Uh, but in that, hey, Kevin is working or on on Tinder or, or Grinder or whatever the fuck dating site he's on. Uh, that's the that's the that's the gay site. He's on Tinder. He's on Tinder. He's probably. <laughs> Got a Tinder date. Oh, he's on Grinder too. Got 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 on Tinder. Got on Grinder. Went to Taco Bell and is now uh, making sweet sweet love to some random woman in St. Louis. Some random female. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. No. Kevin would. But if if that's what he likes, we don't judge. So anyway, for Dave, for Andrew, I'm Ralph. Uh, Until next week, we promise better audio. Be safe. Steve Smith for 250. Thank you.
The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. <laughs> 